are four teaching friends from across the country. Who've discovered that if you don't laugh, you cry and lose sight of your why. I'm Retta. I'm Deanne. I'm Tracy. And I'm Kathy. And we teach so hard. You know what's hard? Building a safe and respected environment for your culturally responsive classroom. And that's a tongue twister. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the first episode of a four-part series on building a culturally responsive classroom. Each episode will focus on one aspect of creating your culturally responsive classroom. Today, we're talking about setting up a safe and respected environment for your students so that they feel loved, safe, and welcome. Mm, it's so important. It is. So what are we talking about, culturally responsive teaching? What is so that? culturally responsive teaching is a pedagogy that recognizes the importance of including students' cultural references in all aspects of learning. This is basically teaching diverse learners. But it's not teaching about their culture. It's about things that are important to them. The Mm -hmm. word references is really important here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things is to have a positive, uh, to show that you have a positive perspective um, with parents and the child's family. Um, Parents are your child's first teacher. Um, And so we need to help parents become aware of how they can be effective partners in their child's education. And sometimes when when you're talking with families who are from different backgrounds, from different cultures, they have different um, perspectives on what a teacher does, um, how a teacher is honored, how a teacher is respected, what is respectful, what is not respectful. And so it, it can sometimes be kind of a mismatch with communication, right? Um, Mm -hmm. where a parent doesn't want to be disrespectful, you know, and so they might not, um, shake your hand. They might not meet your eye all of the time. They might not feel, um, comfortable calling you, um, or questioning, you know, something or letting you know about something that's going on in their family, because in their culture, some of those things are taboo and they're not talked about. Right. And a lot of times I know that, especially when I was first teaching and I was um, at a school where most of my, actually not like 98%, 99% were um, first generation or the immigrants. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. they had so much respect for the teacher that they just trusted me completely. But Mm -hmm. I looked at it as, oh, these parents don't want to get involved. Don't they care? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, talk about miscommunication there, right? And misconceptions. So it is super, super important to to know their background, to know that they are honored and respected as the parents, um, and to to know that that Mm -hmm. you really want to work together with them. You know what I found? I found that kids are just so much more respectful. I had a Korean boy one year and a, a girl, and their parents were so respectful of us as teachers. I mean, I think anything we could have done, they would have accepted. But the kids were wonderful, and they really had such a love for learning. It was a really great experience with that. And one one year, the mother to to thank us because I think this was this was way back when I had we had those old um, Apple computers. I think I we yeah. talked about that and. 
<laughs> one of the parents, we, we had an old one, so we gave it to this family because they didn't have one. So the, the mother, I forget what, she made some wonderful Korean dish and brought it over for us to eat. It was just so sweet, so wonderful. As a thank you. It was delicious. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's also important too, I think, you know, just because someone comes from a different background than you do, or someone has a challenge or a trauma or, or any, you know, there's so much that could go into, um, you know, the diversity in your classroom that you're communicating that you have high expectations for all students. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think I, it helps lift them. I think we've talked about before too, that at the beginning of the year that, um, Several of us used to send home like um, survey, like parent surveys asking about what are your hopes for your child, right? What are your goals? What do you want me to know? What type of learner is your child? Mm -hmm. Because again, not just culturally, but just getting to know the child and the family and that giving them that, like you said, Tracy, that positive perspective that, you know, we're going to work together to help your child be successful. Mm -hmm. It's also important too, like when you talk about... um, learning opportunities that teachers gain knowledge of the different cultures that they're that are being represented in their class. So it makes learning and communication a little bit more familiar to students yeah. and parents. And that reminds me, you know, we, we've talked about this, maybe, um, maybe it was just when we were talking before we started the recording or, or the last time we recorded. Um, how many times have you dealt with a student and it's maybe not a positive interaction because you've got to do some management of behaviors or whatever. And and you're talking and the child won't meet your eyes, right? And right. I remember this early in my career. Look at, look at yeah, me. saying to a child, give me your eyes. Why aren't you? I'm talking to you, right? And then finding out afterwards that in their culture, that's really, you know, um, disrespectful to have that eye contact when you eye are contact, yep. when you are being redirected or are in trouble or, you know, hearing a message that you need to hear that's negative. Um, and yeah, I'm telling the child, look at me, look at me. You know? Yep. Yep. Being <laughs> aware of, you know, what, what might be happening behind those scenes and not jumping to those conclusions. Um, Right, not jumping to conclusions. Mm-hmm. It can, yes. And as much as much as you can, making your classroom student centered, making your instruction student centered, oh, is very important. Make make it a uh, collaborative, community oriented, cooperative learning, um, so that students have a chance to direct their own learning in a way that's mm-hmm. relevant to them. Right, honoring the interests and giving them. Go ahead, Dan, and working. And work. <laughs> I just say, working, working with other students is is so helpful for them. It's it's going to help them and, well, and honoring um, their their else. voices, giving them a chance to share their voices, a lot of time to share their voices. What was it we've talked about in previous podcasts? Um, what one of my cooperating teachers when I was way back in eons ago when I was a student teacher said, if your voice is the loudest and the one that you hear the most in the classroom, you have a problem. And so you want yeah. your child, you want to give opportunities for their opinions, their thinking, their talk and doing that shows that you value them. Right. And that way they feel mm-hmm. empowered also. That's right. Mm-hmm. 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 And also just making sure that the yes. um, assignments Absolutely. are culturally and socially relevant to and them. And sometimes that's just as, you know, an easy, to me, an easy way to start 
thinking about that is to take a look at your classroom library and just just do a survey. You will be stunned, I guarantee it. Um, or maybe not. Maybe you'll be stunned in a positive way. But I remember the first time I did this, did a little survey of my classroom library and found, you know, I kind of need to juice this up a little bit with different representations from different cultures, with literature that show diverse characters, because it, it wasn't very diverse when I did that. Ah, yeah, uh, that would be interesting, and actually have mm-hmm. the kids help you sort through that too. It's it's mind yes. blowing when you when you start to look at um, what you have and what you don't have in your library. Um, it can be it can be earth shattering sometimes. So let's talk about this. The first step to helping your classroom True. become culturally responsive is to create a safe and loving, and trusting and respectful environment in which kids learn to be accepting of each other and you and vice versa. So let's talk about what are the practical ways you go about doing this. You know, students need to feel safe in order to learn. I think there's a meme out there that I've seen um, time and time again, and I, I always think about it. We have to take care of the Maslow before we take care of the blooms, right? And Maslow talks about the basic human needs, feeling safe, feeling secure, having their emotional needs met is extremely important. They need to feel secure enough in order to want to participate, in order to want to share their voice and to take those risks. And there are a number of things that we can do as teachers to set up classrooms that feel safe and well-organized. So ladies, let's talk about it. What are some things you do in your own classrooms? Well, make sure that it is welcoming. Um, you know how you, have you ever walked into certain classrooms and you almost start feeling up panicked because there's just stuff everywhere? Mm-hmm. And even if it's trying to make the room seem inviting, if there's so much stuff hanging everywhere and everywhere you look, I, you know, I, I feel very, um, very, uh, like mm-hmm. not, not being able to focus and I feel really distracted. Or if there's a teacher who's in there that's, screaming or you know what I mean like you, they need to feel calm when they walk into a room oh, yeah. that it's a place almost of refuge mm-hmm. versus a place where they're not sure what's going to happen at all times well the, the um yeah. remark you just made Kathy about screaming mm-hmm. is real is really important sound is part of the environment too it is and a nice calm voice, you know, a calm demeanor really goes a long way in in uh, building this a kind safe of trick I do because I'm someone who, you know, yeah. when we're having a bad day, and and sometimes you have classes like that that are really challenging. I have one this year actually, and um, they're challenging for a myriad of reasons, but they are challenging. And there are days where, you know, I mean, let's let's be honest here. I get in the car. And the first thing I think of is, damn, I need a glass of wine. <laughs> How am I? It's only Tuesday. How am I going to get to Friday? Because it's that hard some days. And so one of the things, though, because I have the propensity for my voice getting higher and louder and higher and louder, right? And so I I play this game with myself. Instead of that, my voice has to get lower and quieter and lower and quieter mm-hmm. and lower 
and quieter until I sound like my yoga instructor during Savasana. <laughs> you know, and, and I've actually had a child say to me, boy, we, we can tell when you're really upset because yep. you get really quiet. picked up because it keeps me centered because otherwise I mean what I really feel like inside is like what the heck is wrong with you people you know just and I'm gonna yell it <laughs> and there's not enough stress balls in the world yeah. so that's another little trick that can yeah make a classroom feel safe Mm-hmm. Well, and they'll listen harder when it gets to be a little harder <laughs> to hear you. It is. They, they, they do talk quiet now. and right. they'll That's hear right. you because you're up there just, mm -hmm. you know, screaming. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, help your communication yeah. at all. Right. You know, you know, it also helps, yes. I don't know, if you have a good partner, because I, when I was teaching, I was right across the hall from my partner. So mm -hmm. I would walk in for a second and I would say, <laughs> I also you know, you know what I would say. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and yeah. that would help. Well, another <laughs> Oh, I was going to say another way that, that kids feel safe um, is that if they mm -hmm. feel their teacher is organized and knows what he or she is doing, then they feel confident to relax as a student. You know what I mean? So I think that even having like a, your classroom organized, like my kids always, it, they yell at other kids who yeah. will say, where's such and such? And they'll say, it's labeled, look at the bins or, you know what I mean? They, they know mm -hmm. where everything is in the room. They know that everything that they need is accessible. Um, I make sure I have like a, mm -hmm. a yeah. reading, a writing and a math, like little rolly cart with tears, you know, you've seen those, but everything I need for that day is mm -hmm. in it. So I'm not running around looking for this or that while kids are waiting on me. So, you know what I mean? Like it, it time, it, I'm using my time well, mm -hmm. and then the kids feel yeah, confident knowing like, okay, their teacher knows, or at least she's faking it and knows what she's doing. I love doing. Card idea, I think now it I have a use for mine. I bought it because I love it. Safe. And then I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with this? And I just haven't yeah, found like... But now I know this would be good because I'm someone who always has piles. Right, exactly. <laughs> They're not messy piles, but I have like, okay, this is what I need for math. And then on this surface, this is what I yes. need for writing. And sometimes I forget what surface they're on. You know, another, right? you know, another know. thing like. I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, or the surfaces blend together. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine like being, yeah, going to a yoga class, easy. right? Day after day after day. You... And you have this comfort in this routine <laughs> that you're doing. And, and then suddenly the yoga teacher like totally changes it up and how discombobulated you feel and, and maybe even a little resentful <laughs> because you had it down. Right. And then think about what that's like for kids. Um, sometimes what I've done in terms of safety is I've just sat on my wheelie stool at the beginning of the day and said, okay, so let me tell you what the day is going to look like. And here's why it's going to look like that. So even telling the reason and kind of unpacking the plans for the day with kids mm -hmm. and the reasons for those plans, it, it, a, it communicates what the expectation is and what they can trust in. And then B, it also tells the why. And that builds trust as well. Sometimes teachers write that schedule on the board too. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, my schedule is mm -hmm. on the board and that's mm -hmm. the first thing they do when they walk in, especially certain kids, you know, how certain kids, like, I mean, they are the timekeepers yeah. of your class. <laughs> they look in and we're going to do this reading and it's going to take longer. That. And I want to be able to give you guys time to share your thinking. So we're going to flip this or, you know, and then the other thing with the, the schedule on the board, because I've found this because it will make me crazy. Otherwise, when you have timekeepers, and I have a couple this year who um, perseverate, I don't I list the order of things, but I don't list the time of things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't list the time either, <laughs> just the order. <laughs> it's the order, right, right. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> um, another thing you need to do to, you know, make your classroom feel safe is to organize it so that movement mm -hmm. and interaction flow, um, you know, make it easy for the kids to pull their desks together. If you do small group work, set it up so that you can easily walk around. Okay, Moving well, around the classroom really yeah. helps your teaching well, become try. more engaging <laughs> and it helps you control the kids too. And I'm sure you do that all the time, <laughs> Kathy and Tracy. Well, Yeah. Well, I'm teaching the traffic patterns of the room. You know, um, I think I may, I might have said this before, but like I know oh, that, yes. for example, I used to have all my student mailboxes, you know, where we file our papers and things in one big mailbox area. And it used to, you know, with 30, 35 kids, it became a stampede and it was really not efficient. And so we now, you know, the kids said, why don't we put mm -hmm. it so only half of us go up? So yeah. we have half mailboxes in two different parts of the room so that the kids... Oh, you know, just really, it just cut in half. Mm -hmm. And then we, we laid out, well, what's the best way for us to walk in and walk out of there so that we're yeah. not again, cramming all in there. Oh. Um, so yeah, traffic patterns and have the kids help you decide what will help our class move best. Right. And another thing yes. make is to make it safe for students to participate and ask questions. And, you know, with something like the mailboxes, for example, if students, if students feel free to say, this isn't working, I have another idea. Why not listen yep. to them? Yep. Or, you know, if you have to get on to the next standard, but somebody's still got a question, mm -hmm. it might, this might be worth your while to so stop now we've and take about that the physical question space and try to develop it a little more and, fully um, than to go charge The environment. It. So what are some methods that you use to engage your students mm -hmm. in an inviting way. Um, yeah. Let's talk about how you are building community and how you're engaging them. Well, it's really important for you mm -hmm. to build community throughout the well, year. The that I Routinely include strategies yeah, and activities exactly. in your lessons I, that allow I think students I to express about this their before. thoughts One of the things that I do that's been a game changer for me over the last <laughs> two years, I don't have time for a morning meeting every morning. I really, really, really uh -huh. don't. However, on Monday mornings, we meet in a circle and I we'd play a game that um, I've developed called... Um, um, I can't remember the name of the game. Oh my god! It's in my store. It starts with gabbing, gab something, but it's it's a great game, and we play it, and they are <laughs> thinking about it, and it's fun. And then I ask them, "So how's fifth grade going?" <laughs> and I take that time. It's about thirty minutes on a Monday morning, and 
they tell me how fifth grade is going. And what I found is they will say the good, the bad, and the ugly. They'll say when they need something from me, they'll say um, what they love. And I'll dig more. Well, tell me why you love that. What is what's working for you? Because it's informing my teaching. And I'll sit there and listen and go, oh, I need more of that. Oh, okay, less of that. And then I get to tell them how it's going for me as well. And sometimes I do a little bit of modeling and tightening up on expectations at that time. But it's a good heart-to-heart, honest conversation. How is fifth grade going? Um, I start my week off with it. And it's just been the amount of information and data that I get from my kids when I do that is is mind-blowing. And it's an opportunity for me to have them view me as someone who cares deeply, you know, because I want to know how it's going for them. But then I also get to say to them, well, here's how it's going for me. So it's a way to adjust things. Right. Cause you're part of the class. Yeah. I love that. I love that strategy. Ah, that's right. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah. Who does save the last word for me? Is that you, Deanne? Tell us about that. Yes. Um, well, it's a comprehension strategy that builds speaking and listening skills and is structured by a text-based discussion for students. You, you know, you've read a book and you want to have a discussion. So you have the students write two to three of the most important sentences of the central text on index cards or something and discuss their text-based responses in small groups. So you've divided the kids into, two, into groups of three. One student is labeled A, one B, and the other C. You invite the A students to read one of their chosen sentences to the group. Then B and C discuss the sentence. What do they think about it? What do they think it means? Why do they think the words might be important? To who? After a few minutes, ask students A to read Mm. the back of their card or explain why they picked the sentence. Then, and then they have the last word in that particular little pattern there. And then the process just continues with the B students sharing and the C students sharing. Translated to like a class meeting too, where someone brings up mm-hmm. a topic and maybe two or three other students get to say something about it, but it's to the listen first to person each other who brought too. it up will always know that it comes back to them to say one more thing. That could be a powerful yeah. tool there yeah. too, so I think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Deanne, do the kids just choose? And, and oh, yeah. Deanne, do so the kids s- just choose whatever sentences they want? Like there's no prompt. Look for a sentence about such and such. They're just choosing what speaks to them. Yes, but you could also have a prompt, you know, looking for, you know, um, the right. problem yeah, yeah, of the yeah, story no, or like something that. like that. It's getting them to be you thoughtful know? about that make sense? when they read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. And the kids, they do, they really feel um, like they they've owned something, you know, they just feel good about themselves because they're able to, right. you know, have the last word. Right. Like I we love all do walking into classrooms right? too, that are yeah. filled with student yeah. work. Um, I, I just yeah. kind of cringe now at myself as a new teacher, you know, when I had all my Frank Schaefer posters <laughs> up and just, I felt like I had to cover walls <laughs> with 
with these ready-made posters. And it's so much more meaningful, obviously, when kids have ownership of the room where, you know, displaying their artwork and their projects and, and, and their, that's gonna their happen, writing. That and takes us they back see to that our pet peeve here at We Teach So Hard about Pinterest see, classrooms. They, they love Because their work. you are decorating everything within an inch of yes. its life. How is there room for your they, This is your space, really yes, but it's your student's space too. And if there's no room for them, what are you communicating? If yeah, Martha Stewart isn't a teacher for a reason, right? Yeah. So let it go. And you know, the most one of the things if I feel like room, I need to be decorating ish, I buy my theme is always like red and black. <laughs> I buy different prints of red and go. black and white printed wrapping paper. And I have these cabinet doors and I put a strip of the pattern wrapping paper down each door. And then that is the mat for everything and anything. Anchor charts I make with the kids, kids work, they're thinking, anything that goes up there, it goes on that wrapping paper. And it's cheap and easy to replace when it gets ripped. And it's still frou-frou and pretty, but, but it's still a blank slate. Right. Right, right. Yeah, it makes you think you have you have a theme, but you still have a blank slate. That's great. Yeah. I've had kids work on themes together and like I'll put, fill the whole bulletin boards with like, like a group will do one particular well, thing lady, and another group will do something else. We are else, and almost out of time. Filled right. with their, I love their that. pictures and, and their themes. And they it love, they love their It's their home. It's their part series, right? So if you're our listeners, come back because there's more goodness. There's more <laughs> goodness to listen so much to. More to say. Um, so let's transition. Let's talk about our number one tip for making your classroom a safe and respectful environment for your students. Retta, can you start us off? Sure. Um, I, I think building the community is the most important mm -hmm. thing. And I devote, always devoted the first two to three weeks of the school year just mm -hmm. doing that, which drove some colleagues and even a few parents crazy. When is she going to start teaching? But what I was doing was teaching. I was teaching them how our year was going to go. I was teaching them how we relate to one another. I was modeling the behaviors that, you know, I expected from them. And we were building a community together that mm -hmm. we all agreed upon and that it the was work. never too and late to do that, listeners. Never. Nope. went so much faster than it would if it I had to be stopping to maintain order and discipline. Absolutely. It was our city that we built from the beginning. You could just go in tomorrow morning and start building it. I, I agree <laughs> with you, Retta. That is my number one tip is just focus on building community. Um, let letting the kids know yeah. that they are all valued members and that everyone's opinion exactly. counts. We spend me, the same thing. We spend so tip, much time. I'm going to just building, channel a little Stephen Covey here. Oh boy. <laughs> to understand, 
you need to listen. Yeah, listen the to the parent. Absolutely. Listen to the child. <laughs> Even when you have that overwhelming urge to jump in with a big voice, find that little quiet place <laughs> inside yourself and sit back and watch yeah. and listen. And you're going to learn so much more about how to deal with what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I love everything well, you guys have said. Well, this is all we have time to that, for today. We uh, hope you've enjoyed patients, our first episode in our Building a Culturally Responsible Classroom series as much as we have. At yourself we and, always, um, this, guys, behind the scenes, listeners, behind the scenes, it's like so a party fun. when the four of us get together remotely. We have so much to talk about. Sometimes we forget to record. And <laughs> be sure to check out our blogs in the show notes. And if you like what you hear, give us a shout out. Leave a comment. Give us some stars on your listening platform. And be sure to tune in for next week because we're talking about, again, building a culturally responsive classroom, part two, motivation and learning. How do you get them motivated? You know you need to listen because you already teach so hard.